0: Good morning. I turned it off. Good morning. Uh, my name is Slim. I'm one of the pastors here at Redeemer Waco, uh, and uh, my sermon this mor- morning is titled On Mission. I was uh, thankful to be able to preach it to uh, Redeemer Temple a couple weeks ago, and so um, obviously want to make it applicable to here in Waco. Uh, but the, the, the phrase here, on mission, uh, usually conjures up different things for different people. Uh, and so for you uh, teenagers, on mission might mean more of a I'm on mission to go get that girl. Uh, so today's the day. You're on mission, and so it could look like a 15-year-old nervously sweating all day, um, and it's it's about to happen. You 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 go to you see her at the locker, and then you ask her, "Will you go out with me?" And uh, of course, she says, "I just like being friends." Um, <laughs> I've heard that one too many times. <laughs> Except for once um, but for some of you on mission means uh, something more like um, black hawk down uh, and you and it means something like you, know, you, you see these army rangers who have this creed that there is no man left behind and the, the, the rangers are going in to, to retrieve the, these soldiers that were left behind them with Somalia forces crashing down on them and bullets whizzing by but for the church on mission, usually it conjures up images of uh, great missionaries like uh, C.T. Studd, who is this English cricketeer, uh, that's like baseball, but I think cooler, um, uh, who went on to be this missionary in uh, China and Africa and India. Uh, and I, I've always wondered what's harder, though, uh, to, be a, to be a missionary in, in, in these, these, these settings, to, to go into Somalia, to have all these, these bullets whiz by, or to ask a girl out? I only know one. I think that's hard. But when we think of mission, we typically think of, of, of like the Jim Eliots, who, who literally gave their lives, gave his life uh, for the people in Ecuador. Or we think of our own missionaries in China who are, who are daily, literally saving lives right now. And we are grateful for them. And, and I think the temptation, though, is when we think of these great missionaries, we go, Lord thank you that you have put people like that on earth. And Lord thank you that you haven't called me to something like that. I'm sorry, but he has. Please stand for the reading of God's word. We'll be looking at Matthew twenty eight, eighteen through twenty. Close, so close. <laughs> Beautiful. All right, let's pray, let's pray. Lord, we do say thanks be to God. We do ask that uh, we would see this, this morning, this time now, uh, uh, of what we just affirmed together, Lord, that uh, this is the word of the Lord. Lord, would you, would you allow your word, your message, uh, to reach us down deep into our souls and into our bones, and so that we... Uh, we would not be distracted by the things to come today or what's, what's coming this week, but Lord, that we would actually truly exhale and be present in this moment, to to be open to what you have to say to us this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today's sermon comes uh, what from what many term the, the Great Commission. Uh, and for a refresher, if you're not familiar with where we're at in this story, because we're not going through the book, of Matthew right now. Uh, Jesus just died. Um, hope was lost. Disciples are, are, are thinking their, their whole world is over, and then he comes back. And if, if someone dies and comes back to life and says, you will too, I would listen to anything they have to say, <laughs> right? He, he tells them in verse 18, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And we can say, we can see that because not even death can stop you. All authority, all power, every power that exists in the entire universe, more powerful than billions of atomic bombs going off in a far, far away galaxy, more powerful than hurricanes ravaging cities. I have all that power entrusted into me, and I am sovereign over everything, and I can't stop, I won't stop my unstoppable mission. And there's that word again, mission. And so what? is mission. The word mission refers to to all that God is doing, all that he's up to, his his great goal. A guy named Christopher Wright says, mission is all all of that which God has been purposing and, and accomplishing from eternity to eternity. It's why he wrote this whole story. We're not talking about missionaries. We're not talking about missions, but we're talking about the mission of God. What is the mission and goal of God? What's his purpose? Let, let, let's do a quick overview. What is his purpose? As you, as you think about, like, what is God doing in the world? And we look at, the, look at his Bible, and we say, okay, here, here's, here's his plan from eternity past. He says, I'll create Adam and Eve. And we see that mission? Okay? It didn't stay long. The mission got undermined. The mission gets undermined, but then his people go into slavery, then they get freed, and then the mission has this this foreshadow of a king to come with these judges, then finally kings and then you have these these songs that are singing about the mission. Then you have the minor prophets who are now saying the mission hasn't ended. Stop worshiping false gods. Come back to the true God. And then finally you have, the, then you have the inauguration of the mission with Jesus coming on the scene. And he's going from town to town. And he's telling people the good news. He's freeing captives. He's loving the poor. And then the church takes over in the book of Acts. And then the church is taking on the mission. And then there's these letters about the mission. And then there's the book of Revelation that's talking about the mission being finally fulfilled that the mission has been going on for a long time there is one great mission john 20 tells us that the mission as the father sent me i'm sending you it's not just for the jim elliots and the ct studs out there whatever the mission is that it's that we are a part of this plan the father sends me i send you and What is that mission? In Luke, he tells us it's to seek and save the lost. It's to reclaim broken sinners. That's his mission. And so you, yes, every single one of you in this room today are a part of that mission to be reached, but also are part of that mission to go out and to reach, to seek and save the lost. Not just the disciples, not just these super saints who've been given some extra measure of Holy Spirit juju. Every single one of us. This is a all-hands-on-deck approach. And how do I know that? Look, look at the text here. It says, uh, All authority in heaven has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Now, a, a lot of ink has been spilt over whether go is this command to, uh, whether it's a command or whether it's more of a, uh, as you go so is it a command to go to foreign nations or is it you know as you're going on the way uh, of more of a lifestyle approach what's actually clear from this text whether it's go or go the command for every single person is to disciple the the emphasis in this passage the the verb that actually is this strong active command is to discipleize To make disciples is the strong impression trying to be hammered right here. It says make disciples by going, baptizing, and teaching. These are the necessary things to make disciples. Going, or wherever you are going, incarnate yourself, relocate yourself into that area, into their world, and then baptize and teach them. And so what does that sound like to you? What does that sound like to to go into a new area... To, make, to share the gospel, to make converts, and then to baptize them into the church, and then to teach and to disciple them. To me, that sounds like church planting. It's starting this new church. It's going to a new community, evangelizing, baptizing, and teaching them. And how do I know it's church planting? Because of what we see as a repercussion after the gospels. What comes next is the book of Acts. And the book of Acts is God's mission led by the church, that the church is now planting churches, that Paul and Barnabas and many others are now planting churches, and it wasn't just those two superheroes that did it. It was the spontaneous movement of the people, and God's church erupted. Let me brag here for a second on, on Redeemer Waco, because that, that's, that's what happened here a long time ago. Not that long ago. A long time ago. 20 years ago, Redeemer Waco came. In 1998, in September of 1998, the Hattons moved down here, left Dallas for Waco, and they began with one other family, I'm told. Two months later, they had a worship service. That's not usual in the church planting network. They had, two months later, they had a worship service at Providence Hospital, and they, they kicked off with 60 people Two years later, they became a particularized church in 2000. In 2006, I think this building was built. And they're not stopping anytime soon, as we just heard. There is a mission that is ongoing, and they've been raising up leaders and sending people out. And so, they, what we just heard here is that the mission's not stopping, it's not going anywhere. It's moving and taking on different shapes, but God is moving here. And, look, and let's look at, at Redeemer's uh, mission. What's their, what's their mission? What's, what's the mission and vision statement of Redeemer? Redeemer exists to extend the supremacy of God by delighting in the worth and work of Jesus Christ in Waco and in beyond. And so why do we exist? To extend the supremacy. Redeemer has always valued that that there's to an extent to move out, to not just be a reformed country club, to to send to Waco and beyond, to send missionaries to China and church planters to Temple and to San Antonio and to Oklahoma and to Oregon and soon to be to East Waco. And so your leadership and your church, they get it. They value it. It's a beautiful thing. Not all do, though, right? Not... Not, not all do. And I wonder, I, you ask, why is that? And for me, I think it's, it's, there's, a, there's a miscommunication in the church today that when you hear the word missions, you think of a department in the church where we give money to, not something that we're actively engaged in. And so we, we think, where can I serve once a month? Where can I serve once a semester? Where can I send my kids to to, to have some good... Um, Something good come about? What what type of cleanup work is there? What trips are there that we might be able to go on? Or maybe it's just for the outside missions uh, for Jim Elliott's. And those things aren't bad, but if it's reduced to that is what I'm saying, I think there's a miscommunication. I think we're getting mixed up with all of these terms. Mission, missions, missional. What are we doing here? (laughs) There's a guy named Daniel M. I think he helps distinguish this here. He says, missional means adopting the posture of a missionary and joining Jesus on mission. It's learning and adapting to the culture around you while remaining biblically sound. And here's the distinction. Essentially, missions are these activities that we undertake to accomplish the mission. Let me say that again. That missions are the activities that we undertake to accomplish the greater mission. And so what he would say is missional missional means just being a missionary without ever leaving your city missional means being a missionary without ever leaving your city and so what we see in in the book of acts and what we see uh, in, in church is that by its very nature it forces them to be missional and so a missional church plant focuses on the great commission by seeking and reaching the unchurched those who would never don the door of a church Every single one of us here has been called by God to reach the lost in Waco. And I, I knew we had our missions guy here at Redeemer. Um, I don't think he's here in the service now. Um, when, when we asked Bo White, uh, who you heard earlier, um, to head up our missions department, we said, hey, would you consider heading up our missions club? Uh, and he said, yeah, I don't actually believe that's biblical. <laughs> Go on, okay. Okay. <laughs> He said, I don't even think you should have a missions department. I, I, the, the whole church should exist to be on mission. And so me and Jeff said, well, well, well yeah, that's what we meant. Uh, <laughs> why don't you explain it to me like I'm a third grader? So go on. Uh. And what, what he's saying is that it, it has to be in our DNA. It has to be who we are. That The, the Great Commission is saying, Discipleize means always be on mission, always doing baptisms, always doing discipleship and evangelism. It is a thing that that God is on mission, and this is the mission of the church, to be missional, to reach the least, the last, the lost. That's what we are doing here. But I think most of the church growth in America, if you want to be honest, most church growth in America does not come through evangelism. It does not come through baptisms. It doesn't come through teaching about Jesus. Here's what it is. Most church growth comes through better marketing. It looks like this. Our youth group is better than their youth group, which ours is. (laughs) It looks like our worship is authentic or our worship is reverent. What we are doing when we are saying this and doing this is we are marketing to people who already believe, who already get it. Our focus is not on making new believers but telling current believers that our food is better than their food. That we, we make better barbecue. We, we smoke our brisket for 14 hours and they boil theirs. Ugh, aghast here in Texas. How could they? That our salads aren't just lettuce and dressing, We have kale and berries here. Kale and berries, people. We're just marketing to people. And that's not what God's mission is, not just to make the church better and look prettier, but to seek and save the lost. He's not called us to make a vegetarian a better vegetarian, but to make a vegetarian a carnivore. Some of you vegetarians are super offended right now. And so let's just say it's to call a carnivore to give it all up and just to eat leaves all day. I know that's not what we're doing in vegetarians. I'm just making you even angrier. But it's to change us completely. God is saying what we are here to do is to change us so radically that there's nothing that we can do to make that change. And I think what I'm becoming more and more convinced of is that the intersection the church needs to have is of our ecclesiology and our missiology. And I think those are $10 words that I'll make two cent words here real quick. That it's the intersection of our missions. And what we do as church, so that our church is mission. It's it's just who we are, it's in our DNA. Tim Keller says, the Trinity is by nature sending. The Father sends the Son into the world to save it, and the Father and Son send the Spirit into the world, and now the Spirit is sending the church. God does not merely send the church in mission, God is already in mission, and the church must join Him. So God was already in mission in Waco before the Hattons got here. God placed some families here that, that wanted to see this come to fruition. And we say, okay, well, what about our Bible studies? What about our midweek? What about our community groups? We're not saying uh, those are in opposition to the mission. We're saying those have to be a part of the mission to be reaching outwards for the sake of pushing his mission forward. Because if it's just too much head knowledge without this practical application of working out, then we'll make our churches lazy consumers and the tools of the Holy Spirit grow rusty. We need to shepherd and disciple our church and our children while at the same time instilling within them a relentless drive to move the gospel outward into our surrounding community. And so evangelism and missions are not just afterthoughts when the church is ready, it's just what we do. It's just what we do. And so I think if we understand our sentness and how that sentness uh, flows out from the great commission of, of go or going as we go, God has, God has this lost person on our path that he is commanding us to share the gospel with. And that makes every person here, every Christ follower, a missionary. And so here you are hereby all dubbed missionaries to Waco. Go forth. This is what we see in the book of Acts, where where literally everyone in the church is is doing this. It's not just the apostles, but it's every Christian is a part of evangelism, that they're doing it endlessly. And all the historians agree that, that Christianity's explosive growth was in reality accomplished by informal missionaries. That the lay people, not the trained preachers or the evangelists, The informal conversations in homes and in shops and on walks, just naturally, enthusiastically, that's how God is moving his church in Waco and in beyond. And so what does this look like for you? Not everyone can preach. Not everyone can baptize. Well, on-mission Christians look like a woman starting a Bible study in her home and inviting people that would never come to church. Just loving people like that. What does it look like? Maybe, maybe maybe at work. When you're at work, uh, to see your work in, in two ways. One, who is there that's in your path that you, have, you are commanded to love and to share the love of Christ with? But two, to see your work as a part of the mission of loving this community. And so if your work is uh, as a school teacher, as you're, as you're meeting with kids who are come from just horrendously broken homes, and and giving them the love that they they haven't gotten and they haven't they won't probably won't get the rest of the day. And to tell them you are loved and you're able to do this. Keep up. It could look like some of you you social workers who are who are giving light into very dark places. But for the congregation, what does it look like for us to have a, a missional outlook to say I'm going to look out for the nuns, not those who are the nuns you're thinking of, but the ones who classify as nun, who say, I I don't claim any religion, but the ones who are anti-gospel, where are they at in Waco? Where are they at in your path? Are they at the bars? Are they at the gym? How do I relocate myself into that community to get to know them and to get to be in their path and talk with them and share these gospel conversations with them? You're on mission. But this just can't be. This just can't be out of sheer duty. This just can't be out of like, okay, Jesus commands me to do this, so I'm going to do this. It has to come from this agony. This agony for my friends and my neighbors. There's a uh, church planter in Camden, New Jersey, named Doug Logan, uh, and he says, my ministry lacked the appropriate sense of agony. Agony for the community into which I had entered Agony for my neighbors who were suffering and broken. Agony over my willingness to be comfortably distant. Though I sought to reach the least, the last, and the lost, through the gospel, I was emotionally disconnected. I did not experience the community's pain, nor did I personally invest myself in its healing and salvation. And so I'm asking you, do you have agony? Does your heart break for the people on your path? Maybe God's using you. Let me say it more boldly. God is using you for them, to love them. And, but what, what concerns me more than, than the, the people who my heart is now breaking, it, it's, it's for those in the church like myself where my heart just never breaks. That scares me is that when we become so comfortably numb to the status quo that we're comfortable in our daily routines and we don't see the actual urgency of the situation here. Go, make disciples of all nations, all nations, ethnicities is what that word there is. People different than me. That the gospel isn't just for Redeemer Presbyterian Church, it's for every single person. It's for every pigment and every shade of color. And if God's heart breaks for these people, why is my heart not breaking for it? And that was a question I had to ask myself a couple years ago. Why is my heart not breaking for this? It's cold here. It has no agony. I'm hardened. Lord, break my stony heart. Give me a new heart. Give me an agony for my neighbors in our city. But is this too radical? Some of you might be saying, yeah, this is great, but no one ever changes. No one ever makes that radical of a change. And and I'm sorry that your heart has become calloused. And you think that no one can ever change. And if that's you right now, let me remind you. Let me take you back to your own salvation story. What what was your story? What about you? How did how were you saved? I mean, that's radical, right? That you were saved? That mean that we have to be able to think about it in that way that my own salvation story needs to be so crazy and ridiculous that why would God ever save me? I bring nothing to the table. Why would he put everything on the line for me? And if we can finally say that, okay, he actually loves me like that, then I can be shocked and awed about the amazingness of amazing grace. And if he can save me, well then he can do anything. And so, how has God brought you to yourself? Think about your own story, about all the, the valleys that you've gone through and how that's a part of your story. God brought me To himself, when I was at one of the the lowest points in my life, at a time when I had no friends, when my family was very disconnected, I was angry at God, I was suicidal, and I was on drugs. And at that moment, God was still sovereign and still seeking me out. God put this little pipsqueak of a boy named Michael Ryan who once rejected me because I was too much of a pagan for him that I was, I was making his life more sinful, and I probably was. But finally, he, he got on mission. He got on mission and said, you are not too far gone for God. I'm going to seek you out even if you're being mean to me. I wasn't too far gone for God. And that story shocks me, but it gets crazier the older I get. It gets crazier because since middle school, the boy who God used mightily to reach me has since left the faith. And so I wonder, what is God doing? Who writes that story That God says, okay, I'm going to use a future apostate to reach a kid who's in a dark place to get him into my kingdom so that he can plant a church in East Waco. Would you write that story? I can't fathom Michael's walk away, and I pray that he comes back. If he's in God's hands, he's in God's hands. But this story illustrates this absolute incredibleness of what God is doing and how sovereign he is of being on mission because he can use anybody and anybody, no matter who we are. So we're not all having to be these missionaries like C.T. Studd and Elijah and, and the ones that I can't think of at the moment because I'm messed up right now. Uh, but he's at work. C.T. Studd did say, True religion is like smallpox. That if you get it, you give it to others and it spreads. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful of what our religion actually is? It's smallpox. And so have you gotten it? And then you give it. Has the message that Jesus has left heaven on mission for you rocked you? Has the message that you had this, 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 Savior on a mission, on this rescue mission, not to rescue these helpless victims, but to come into this hot zone and actually rescue the terrorists. And when the terrorists kill him, he doesn't come back from the dead with more wrath. He comes back from the dead with more love and says, I love you. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And I'm going to send these broken, evil people that I've just now brought on to, into my kingdom, and into my family, and they're going to be the ones that spread the good news out. And so do you believe that? I mean, if, if you believe that that, that, that changes you. But if you've never actually said, I want to have something radical happen in my life, I want to put my hope and rest in him in this way, do so today. Rest in him today, follow him. And if you get it, then it, you give it to others and it spreads. And so are you on mission Don't be scared, because Jesus tells you, Behold, I'm with you always, to the end of the age. And it's not you inviting people to your club. It's you inviting people to be a part of God's family, to be sons and daughters in his kingdom. And he says, I am with you always, always, always. Let's pray.